Hello and welcome back to Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda, the podcast where we give you the smart stuff, but we also lean into the trash. (laughs) Now, for those of you who tuned in last week, we're very sorry that we weren't able to bring you a new episode. Life got in the way for us and we had to do a rerun. But I hope um, those of you who had already listened to that episode first time round enjoyed it and some of our new listeners who might not have heard the episode um, also did enjoy it. I re-listened to it and it was actually hilarious when we were little baby podcasters. <laughs> it was. It was really good to listen back to. And I think even though I giggle a lot now, I was giggling even more then. And yeah. just the fresh voices, so excited. Um, <laughs> I particularly was very cringe at my summary of the monarchy. I think at the time I was like, eh, it's fine. We want to talk about Megan and Harry. <laughs> a few people had mentioned... Um, you know, a lot more happened to build the monarchy, right? And I'm like, yeah, but it's all quite boring and dull. So, <laughs> I was like, and also, we don't have long. We had to get through a lot of topics in. Just That's that right. Time. And to my credit, William the Conqueror did do a thing. <laughs> and <laughs> eventually, we ended up with Queen Elizabeth II. So, I mean, it's a short summary. But it is correct. <laughs> but we actually do have our episode that we plan to do for you this week where we will be diving into the epic Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan. That's right. And so, look, we do acknowledge that it's been a few weeks since this interview did air by the time you're hearing this episode. So we're not going to treat it like it's late breaking news, but we will be talking about a lot of the themes and a lot of the things that just really relate to our past episodes. So many things relevant to the crown and also so many things relevant to our monarchy episode that we just played. So much. And, you know, I guess being slightly delayed in the episode, a lot more has happened since. So yeah, no, I'm really keen to talk about it. And then something else I know you're really keen to talk about is we're going to be talking about the Amazon prime series, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes, finally. Finally. (laughs) I finally watched it and it is pretty magical and beautiful. So we'll be going into that in trash today. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) But first things first, we need to talk about Oprah. Okay, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. (laughs) The epic... Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan. Now, if you've been living under a rock or have never listened to our podcast before or, you know, have just no idea about why the the royals who have left the actual royal family doing an interview is groundbreaking, it's because this hasn't happened like this before. And in history, we have seen Diana speak out. We've had a few ex-royals speak somewhat candidly about their experiences but Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family and then literally dishing the dirt on so much stuff that's happened within the royal family their experiences and you know so many key points that came out of it that were just absolutely shocking we see themes of racism We see themes of misogyny, um, Mm. just, I mean, what else, Grace? What I've just, I'm I'm still taken aback by um, Megan's experience and and also trigger warning. We will be discussing Megan's comments about her own mental Mm. health. So if that's a topic that's a little touchy for you, um, just fast forward to our trash and you can listen to the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm, it's such a powerful interview it was amazing um so powerful I, I love them both I think it was so brave and powerful and yes yeah it was incredible what was the biggest thing that you took away from it well yeah definitely the mental health revelations um and the racism revelations obviously huge and I think you know nobody would not by now know the two huge comments that came out of the interview but more broadly as well I think just about um how much everyone was lying and that the royal family was you know 
not correcting all these stories because even you saying in the intro they left the royal family, that's not even correct. They just wanted to not be senior members of the royal family. They just wanted to just occasionally cut a ribbon like some duchesses do and it got painted into this whole thing about them trying to tear everything down and mm, great point mm. yeah because I suppose um there was so much criticism which I was somewhat on board with at the time that they wanted to step down from their duties but still get paid still get the titles and cut a ribbon every now and then and some people were saying hang on the taxpayers are sort of paying you a salary you don't get to just walk away not do anything and cut ribbons mm. and still get your titles like I sort of see where the criticism was coming from but having a more thorough knowledge of it now that is still what a lot of people do and it is an option for them I mean the whole setup of the monarchy is so ridiculously privileged as previously discussed in <laughs> in our other podcasts on the crown on the monarchy mm ridiculous system so people stepping down and cutting a ribbon every now and then and being public facing figures it's actually probably a lot more work than the average royal does and it's interesting as well that whole criticism about yeah you know they're taking taxpayers money and also want to make their own money and they were very much portrayed as like trying to be greedy and trying to you know make all these small businesses but again the documentary makes it really clear that you know the reason they've signed these multi-million dollar Netflix and podcast deals is because the palace refused to pay for any security for them, even though the threat to them is still very high and, you know, the threat of racist neo-Nazi people trying to target them and the amount of scrutiny they had on them. They need money. A lot of people have criticised this and I do... I do, I do see where they're coming from. And so I'm going to just play devil's advocate and bring that viewpoint to the table, which is they've left the royal family. It's a privileged institution, which we agree with personally on this podcast. We've spoken about that. We think it's outdated. We think it's silly. So why then should the taxpayer pay for their security detail? And I can understand that viewpoint because it seems so privileged and so ridiculous and they're wanting to leave that and you'd think surely they're public figures they'll have enough money but actually because they've been in the royal family they have a target on their back and there is so much that you know Meghan and Harry have put up with in the press the English press have eviscerated them there are a lot of people who read those articles and don't read anything else or know the facts and will act on that hatred and they Mm. are very much bigger targets than anyone else in the royal family apart from potentially prince philip but even then i would say much bigger than him and even he the person who was all up in arms with jeffrey epstein Mm -hmm. is getting security detail he doesn't have to do anything he's not even allowed to cut ribbons because he is such a disgrace you know prince andrew Oh, I do mean Prince Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, yeah, Prince Philip. One of them, one something. of those white privileged guys, you know, up in yeah. the echelons there. And so I think that it's it's just really important to remember that yes, it is privileged, and but they are walking away and doing something pretty groundbreaking, you know, for the future. And I think that the more we see of people like Meghan and Harry walking away, telling mm. truths about the royal family. And the fact that I loved this about the interview that they kept calling them things like the firm, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is, it's a business. And, uh, you know, the more that we can dispel myths about it, talk openly about them because they've always been so tight-lipped for their whole existence, you know, maybe we will see progress and potentially the, the ending of this ridiculous monarchy system. Mm. Well, it has already caused waves. So Buckingham Palace has now hired a diversity coach. Mm. Sure. So, you know, which again, (laughs) sure. How are they going to have a diversity coach when you literally have to be born into the royals? Like, like, you can't just have diversity by asking people to marry people of different colours. Like, do you know what I mean? Because... 
otherwise if I mean that would be a start but that was not very well received it it was not well received (laughs) exhibit a I guess Harry that leads us into a couple of the big revelations so the one of the really big revelations that born the Oprah meme of her shocked face was that um Megan Megan I should say was talking about being pregnant with Archie and she said that you know there was a lot of concern about their baby and, you know, would they call him a prince? And there was a lot of concern about what colour his skin might be when he was born. And they use that word, concern. Yes. And there's so much has come out about this that I don't even know what the actual facts are anymore, but they openly say it wasn't the Queen. Or Prince Philip. Or Prince Philip. Which makes you think, well, who is it then? It's got to be Charles. Charles. It's got to yeah. be Charles. Um, otherwise, who else? You know, it's got to be someone pretty senior. And, you know, Oprah, her big shocked face for anyone who hasn't seen it or seen the memes, she goes, what? Who yeah. is asking that question? You know, and just like an absolute sassy boss um, kind of puts that to them and is like, hang on what the hell like that's huge and that is disgusting and Mm. yeah so it's disgusting but a lot of people in the immediate aftermath were really downplaying it in the media people like Piers Morgan and people that were like what if you're gonna have a baby and one of you's got red hair and brown hair you'll be like oh what color hair will the baby have and it's like yeah no this is not yeah sure Piers it's exactly the same thing isn't it Mm. (laughs) like what the actual seriously Piers Morgan is essentially Trump with less power on speed and he's just a right-wing douchebag like I just don't have any Mm. other words for him if anyone doesn't know who Piers Morgan is he's essentially sort of England's version of Andrew Bolt so he's a media personality he's on a talk show Mm. um he often writes articles and he always has like the alternative view usually kind of the white male position of we're taking this too far just very right wing but very conservative sort of thing yeah and he was horrible after this interview he eviscerated Megan and there's been a lot of speculation that they were friends beforehand and um you know because she was just like you're an ass. I don't want to be dealing with you anymore. And she just didn't want to catch up with him anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, That he just feels like, oh, you know, she thought she was too good or whatever. So she's walked away and now he just has made it like his life's purpose to just destroy her. And he destroys lots of people. She ghosted him. She ghosted him. And good for her because, yeah, he's awful. And she was like, I'm just going to back away. Yeah, Megan has such strong boundaries. I think she's such a good role model for strong boundaries and self-respect with him, with the royal family. Yes. She's amazing. Another thing that was really interesting about just the press backlash against Megan and the people that just seem to have it in for Megan, which there are so many of them, did you see the YouTube stars who set up all of these right-wing commentators and filmed all these reaction videos of them saying that you could tell she was lying, you could tell throughout the whole interview that none of it was true, and no. none of those commentators had seen the video because it hadn't been released yet. Really? So they started yeah. all saying that on these yeah. videos, but the video hadn't been released yet? Yeah, so the YouTubers Whoa. were like tricked them and they basically said like oh you know we want to air like your takeaway to the interview straight after the interview airs but obviously um we're gonna have to pre-record it and they were like yeah no worries and then they were all like you could tell Megan's shifty from the way she was answering those questions you could tell she was lying they just wanted to hate her and they are all on camera and then the youtubers completely exposed them oh that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. how heinous they're so cunning and manipulative the royal family like the royal family um another way that another thing that I've taken away from this interview is to again refer to them as like a business with a HR department and everything because it's not Mm. just the central characters it's not just William and Kate and Philip and the Queen there's so many players 
in here. And so when I refer to the royal family, I mean like the whole institution. So they just, you know, just in the way that they strategically, like another couple of things that have come out is, you know, when they uh, definitely allowed certain articles to come out at the same time Mm -hmm. as as other things such as, um, you know, the bloody bridesmaid scandal thing which happened and it was like so Mm -hmm. innocuous but they just made it out to be so huge to cover another thing that was happening at the same time which I can't recall what that was but they just they really plan and although they don't say anything they're always like oh we say nothing we you know doing nothing is like the hardest thing in the world but that but as Megan said they knew the stories weren't true and they didn't correct them Correct, because it helped the narrative. Yeah. It, it helped protect the other narrative that they wanted to pursue. Speaking and of narratives, one thing I did think when I listened to our monarchy episode last week, you <laughs> totally like preempted Oprah. You said all that stuff about the avocados and stuff. Like you called it a year early. Did I? Yes. All the stuff about like basically Oprah listened to the episode because yeah, basically she was using Oprah's a similar avid listener. <laughs> <laughs> and she's commented and said she loved it. Just FYI. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I, I will yes. say I feel like we were a bit harsh on Megan's acting skills. Like my opinion, that was, I mean, a year ago, I think we were still pretty good. But now Megan harsh. is like superstar status. I she's not a so good much. actress, Grace. She's much better at being a public figure and a fantastic speaker and an inspiration to women. I mean, she's wonderful, but she's not a great actress. You know, yeah, but who cares? It is what it well, is. Well, the, the press would say she is. They'd say she's lying. <laughs> she's lying because she's such a good actress. No, that's exactly. why I think she's super honest because she's a shocking Yeah, actress. guys, we'd yeah, be I'm out like, of tell if she honest. was true. Yeah. yeah, like You honestly, can read her seen, acting face. <laughs> have you seen Suits? Like she's shocking. She's yeah. just all, all – anything she says is truth. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I love Megan. Me too. So speaking of people eviscerating and, you know, the interview and – calling her a liar and everything I had the unfortunate experience of watching maths and then seeing a trailer for the 60 minutes interview that's on tv tonight when we're recording which is a Thursday um for anyone who's put themselves through the torture of watching 60 minutes um from what I got from the trailer it was like Megan's a liar there was no Mm. racism at all and then oh, they have, come like, on. I know. And we were all sitting in my lounge room, just jaws agape, because it was like, they, it's like they'd picked any of the ethnically diverse staff members and got them to literally sit in a chair and say, Of course. Were well, the royal family racist to you? And um, there's just one clip of this guy saying, No, they've never been racist to me. They've always been wonderful. It's like, it's wow. exactly like when, you know, people will defend men of sexual assault or something and say, but mm. we had great banter. It's like, no, that's not true for everybody. Also, what the hell are the circumstances yeah. that they put this person in this situation on 60 Minutes? Imagine if they spoke out, they're not Meghan Markle, you know, yeah. they're going to lose their job. You, you know, they're not, they're just, ne- we would never have seen the 60 Minutes trailer because it wouldn't have painted the right narrative. You know, I just exactly. think it's so transparent and I think yeah just what they've done is pretty amazing and And even if they got ethnically diverse people that they did find would say that it's still a white business white explaining the issue away like 60 minutes is produced by white power structures yeah exactly they're pushing an agenda now Mm. we need to talk about Megan's revelations about her mental health because that was just Mm. truly heartbreaking heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking and like people knew it was tough but I think like yes certainly people the part that really had no idea got to me was you know when she was saying I I'd been having these feelings that I just didn't want to exist anymore I didn't want to be alive anymore and you know I wanted to tell Harry about it, but I felt so much pressure not to because of his mum and what had happened to his mum. So she reached out, and this is where we learned that the royals have a HR department. So she reached out to HR and said, I need help. I need to see somebody. I need to see a professional. I'm not happy. And, 
you know, they were like... And she said worse than that. She said, you know, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Yeah, I'm having... to go to a mental health facility. Yeah, she's like, I need serious help. I have, you know, what did she even say? She's Yeah, she went pretty far and, like, you know, it was very high risk at that time. Um, And then they basically said, that doesn't look great for us. You can't really do that. And then Oprah interestingly said, you're rich. Like, why couldn't you just get a cab? You know, and she mm-hmm. was, and then she was like, I haven't seen my passport. I haven't seen my driver's license. I haven't driven a car in yeah. ages. Like, they take all that stuff from you. Now, this is a question that I have because this is the part that I don't quite understand because she said all of that in the rebuttal to that, right? But I still mm. feel like surely she could have gotten her own help if she wanted it just because she could have got a friend to drive her there or, you know, like she still has access to her account. The point is they're not, but she can't leave the palace. And also, also she, when you're in such a bad place, you don't have all of the reasoning. And so she, whether or not she couldn't leave is a perception or reality to be reached out, to reach out for help and summon up the courage to tell both Harry and the firm and get completely knocked back is atrocious. Such a good point. And so what I just said is like what a lot of of people have been saying, like they just don't believe that that's a thing. And I'm like, well, she reached out for help, which is very hard to do. They said no. And she was scared to tell her partner because she was worried that, you know, because of what happened to his mum. And then she said, I have, also, I have to tell Harry. And the media Harry, are hounding her. If she did drive out, she'd be completely sworn by paparazzi. It's kind of like Britney know in where she is. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I, I've had a lot of – I feel like a lot of this is similar to Britney in just, you know, just her trappings in this institution. Very different And speaking still, of but. trappings and institution, it's also Diana all over again. It is. And, it's you so know, similar. I, and what I've said to people who've, like, criticised the – her wanting to leave and then not being able to, like you say, when you're in a bad place, you just, you know, you've asked for help and someone said no to you. So you just don't try as much because you're literally suicidal. Like you, you're depressed Mm. as hell. And what I said to that is, well, then she did tell Harry and they left the Royal family and here they are Mm. on Oprah. It's like they took huge steps to get out of that system and Harry knew it was breaking her. So they got out mm. and I just think, Oh, like it is amazing. And thank God it's not Diana because these two are still alive. They're still telling their truth and they are such inspirational role models. Like, yeah, I think they're amazing. Harry's just signed on as um, an ambassador to a mental health charity. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if Megan does something similar soon. Although She's busy expecting her second baby. Oh, which is something and, that like you know, we don't even remember about the interview. We don't even remember. Like, we don't even recall that. The, the to be fair, all the other stuff really was way more groundbreaking than a pregnancy, like just have to say. Yeah. But it's very exciting for her. <laughs> but the other thing that wasn't mentioned in the Oprah interview, I don't think, uh, was the miscarriage that she had. Um, yes. When she was getting so much hate from the public and she's like actually that whole time I was miscarrying so screw you guys oh it's just awful so what do you think was similar or about the crown like what um similarity the fact that the fact that she was an outsider to the family and the public loved her and then the family got threatened by that it was exactly um, the same situation of like the worldwide tour and, you know, the crowds loving Diana and loving Megan. And then I think just the other thing is like women feeling gaslit and confused and being made like amazing women being made to try to fit into this. Yeah. Yeah box and that one of the other things they said to Megan was like we need you to take it down to like 70 percent because you're a bit much and Oprah's like how are you going to live as like less of yourself and I think also another similarity to the crown is um how they portrayed Prince Charles as not a great guy 
Seems like mm. that's pretty darn true. And look, shout out to Liz because I know that she has an affinity for Charles. Um, I think a lot of people do actually. I think, uh, you know, she made a good point, which was that people who've grown up with the royal family when Charles was younger, like he has actually done a lot of great work that yeah. does, does so get just, disguised. So just to recap, we're talking about not Queen Liz, we're talking about my mum Liz. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she is a queen, but she's not the she queen. <laughs> yes. And so she's like, she has an affinity for Charles. Um, he's done some great work. And what I would say to that is that's probably true, but another thing can be true, which that is, probably also a little bit of an old-fashioned ass, and I think that that's probably true I just think it's probably true that's just my opinion um so do you think this will affect his likelihood and popularity if he does become king I mean he's been an unpopular guy since the beginning of time he's always Mm. been second to Diana second to the queen second to someone else second to you know he's just always the butt of the joke and He's never been popular. He never will be popular. And he should probably just not be king, retire, go play some golf and garden and let somebody else do the job or, you know, just cancel the monarchy. I think we should just cancel the monarchy. And Mm. um, so in summary, I think uh, the only other thing I want to acknowledge is that, like, there has been a lot of memes going around about (laughs) – I do have to laugh – three millionaires sit on a couch and talk about hardship. And Aww. I feel like it's pretty harsh because I, I agree. Actually, but I do like acknowledge that there is a lot of privilege in that interview. And there's a lot of people who, you know, definitely go through a lot worse than what these people go through. But they are also doing something really huge. Harry to go against his family like this. Megan you know, is an outsider, has come in and has experienced tremendous pain in the royal family. But Harry standing beside her steadfastly Mm. supportive and, you know, saying things to reveal truths about the royal family and the institution in, in itself is extremely brave, extremely powerful, and I think will be literally a turning point in history. Like I think this is like one of the biggest, this is Diana level huge what they've Mm. done and I think it was way bigger than we expected we expected it to be big but it was bigger and what we learned was so important and I just sincerely hope that it does affect some serious change and that if the monarchy isn't cancelled that it is seriously redefined Mm, very good points very well said and yeah, I completely believe Megan and Harry and yeah, we support them and believe them and love them. They're amazing. They're such good role models. Yes. They're so strong. They are. Oh, well, I feel empowered. Shall we go talk some trash? Yes, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I got me ten fine toes to wiggle in the sand. Lots of idle fingers snap to my command, a lovely pair of heels. So the marvellous Mrs. Maisel was recommended by me on the pod a few episodes ago. It's one of Miranda's all-time favourite shows. I'm a recent convert. It's by the creators of Gilmore Girls. And it's basically, the premise is a woman in the late 50s, early 60s, and she's a housewife. But then she becomes a stand-up comedian and she's in a very sort of very privileged and wealthy. You know, we were just talking about that in Treasury. I feel like Mrs. Maisel is privileged. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's about like how her community reacts to that and how she fits into this world And she's got so much intrinsic Mm. charm and street smarts, but she also is like this sheltered kind of privileged woman. So she also does stuff up a lot and it just has a lot of heart. And yeah, yeah, I know you love it. So why is it one of your favorite shows of all time? Oh, I think for starters, Amy Sherman Palladino, who created Gilmore Girls, Mm -hmm. is very brilliant in how she creates 
moments. Like she sort of creates moments in a way that just stay with you, but in this beautiful way that kind of, I don't know, like Gilmore Girls is very different to Maisel, but it's got a very similar witty vibe to it. So it's set in the late 50s to 60s and, you know, it's very, very different but it's still got so much fast-paced talking, lots of whimsical mm. references, lots of pop culture references, but Snappy pop culture from yeah, witty one-liners, but banter. also but also pop culture references from that era, which is really mm. daggy. But also a lot of that humor is quite true and to to its time. You know, like it would have been really funny at the time, and they still inject a lot of modern humor as well. And it's just brilliant. And I think. Why I love Maisel so much is that unlike Gilmore Girls, it's, again, they're two very separate shows, but it's different in that it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's so beautiful to watch. Like I watch it and I watch her float from scene to scene and it's a credit to the actress who plays the main character called Rachel Brosnahan Um, and she's just absolutely beautiful and it's such a different story and I love that it's different as well in that she actually really has quite a close relationship with her parents she doesn't hate her parents like Lorelai did she's got Mm. kids but her kids are accessories they're not in it she's not close with them you know it's the 50s they were just babysat by their mum they're just accessories and she's just dilly-dallying around and things change as the series goes on but Mm. it is just so nice to watch the soundtrack is delightful the humor is sweet like I just I just love it and I've re-watched it so many Mm. times it's kind of one of my if I'm feeling down or if I just want something you know if I've watched something really heavy like again after Chernobyl Mm. or something you know I'm just like okay it's time for an episode of Maisel like it just makes it is beautiful the costumes are beautiful but on the topic of like you saying about like her and her parents I have a controversial opinion which is I find the parents storyline of both her parents and Joel's parents to be so boring (laughs) yeah and I'm not against parents like I love a lot of stories about like parent relationships particularly Veronica Mars which we will get to next season her and her dad's relationship is like fantastic television but I do find the parent storylines like super boring in Maisel I will admit like I don't fully love Maisel as a show it's slow there are some characters that really build on you So to kind of dive slightly deeper into the plot, if you are somebody who hasn't watched this and we've just talked about how beautiful it is, it's set in the late 50s and goes into the 60s. It starts with Maisel, Mrs. Maisel. She's a housewife and um, her husband up and decides to leave her in the very first episode. So this is not a big spoiler. Mm -hmm. Very first episode, a lot happens. So she's the perfect wife. She's Jewish. She is in the 50s. And I have to say, I love the Jewish injection of everything in this. I just think it's kind of Mm. so whimsical and sweet and adorable. I mean, I'm not Jewish, so I can't comment on whether it's offensive. But um, on We got the rabbi! (laughs) We got the (laughs) rabbi! (laughs) And um, how she's just uh, so obsessed with um, her measurements, like to be the perfect wife. And she's always been really... I was going to bring that up. That's really problematic. And she keeps doing that even after she breaks up with him. It's not yeah. positive body image. Yeah, but that's it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be positive body image. It's a joke and it's also probably realistic of, you know, some people mm. at that time. And this is just her character. You know, and she's beautiful and wonderful and she's like I'm perfectly proportioned and I have all of this and da 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 da. And um, you know, it is problematic for sure, but it's it's the era that it's in and it's it's making light mm. of of how ridiculous that is. And you know, she's so funny and she's so witty and, you know, she has this beautiful husband who's really funny and they get along and he likes her sense of humor. And then he just decides to one day leave her for his secretary because he is the one who's trying to be a comedian and he sucks ass. And Midge just goes to the Gaslight, this pub that they go to every time to try and buy Joel a spot with her Mm. amazing cooking. And this is where she meets 
her eventual offsider called Susie, who is one of the people who works at this bar. And um, he's horrible. His secretary makes him feel more manly because Midge is just way too good for him and he feels emasculated. Mm. She's like, okay, we have two kids and we're married. You can't just like leave me for my sec for your secretary. And she gets drunk and eventually catches the train in and she wants to get her dish back from the gaslight pub. And then she just walks onto the stage and just kind of starts to rant about her life and <laughs> just ends up talking to the whole room and she's drunk and she's very, very funny. And she's that, so much funnier than him. So she's, she's been so supporting his stand-up comedy career every Saturday night and it turned out he was plagiarising someone else's script anyway. Yes, and, and anything And you could tell funny. she was really the funny one. She was making a few little comments in the car but she didn't have the confidence to ever do That's stand-up. Right. But she's just she so was, good at it. Well, I mean, it was not the done thing. A woman couldn't just do that. You know, mm. there was only a very select few women who did and, um, you know, that character comes in too. <laughs> the show as well um i've heard that the show is loosely based on uh that 60s comedian i always forget the name of but she's very crass and she's still around now and she's had a lot of work done i know who you mean joan rivers joan rivers yes slightly based on joan rivers but like very loosely just in the fact that you know she's a comedian one of the first female comedians around and the humor i think one of the most brilliant things about the show is that the humour reflects the times. Like I think sometimes the jokes we don't quite get, they don't quite land with us. But the But the roar of the audience in the show would mimic what they would have thought back at that time. And I find that really interesting and I love that so much of the show is so ridiculous but that is – the show, it's very highly stylized. You know, she'll walk down the street and people will kind of walk in sync or turn around in sync. And it can be kind of, um, as we've talked about previously, hyper-realism. It's, mm. it's not it's a lot of quite sort of real. absurdist, surrealist yeah, things. It's, yeah. it's not quite real, especially in series two when they go to Paris. And, you know, it's very, mm. very um, kind of cliche. But there's all these sort of little tableaus of little beautiful moments and also the country club in season two is very like that as well I just like feel like I always need to take like a big breath in and a big breath out when I watch it because I'm just so taken aback by how much has gone into every single scene and every single thought that has been like and decision that's been made every choice of outfit every choice of color combination every choice of words and even down to the casting like the person mm. who plays Midge Maisel, Rachel, Bo- Rachel Brosnahan, has won multiple awards. Alex Borstein, who plays Susie, phenomenal actress, so funny. Um, the person who plays mm. her dad, Tony Shalhoub, so Monk. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen the show, he played oh, Monk. Oh, of course. Yeah, I didn't so, realise that. I didn't really watch Monk, but I do recognise his you face. You totally recognise his face and he's just like, oh, yeah, who's from that just guy? Ads. His name's yeah. Tony Shalhoub and he's just hilarious and he's dorky okay. and... He's great. And look, the parents are boring, but they are not the main part of the story. The main part is Midge and Susie. I used to find a lot of background characters in Gilmore Girls boring too. And I do take your point that like they grow on you, the random characters. You're like, I want more of the funny one. (laughs) Yes. So who's your favorite in Maisel? Definitely Maisel, Midge Maisel. I think she's so charismatic and amazing. She like, is brilliant. <laughs> she is yeah. brilliant. She was in... Um, like, obviously, you- Susie too. They're a great duo. Oh, I love Susie. I actually... I always go between who I love more, but I think ugh, Midge is just so brilliant, like in how in her acting and her looks and just everything she does is so fantastic. And she's won so many awards for it. So thank God, because she totally, totally deserves those. And For sure. So do the showmakers and... As we've said previously, it is the high budget version of Gilmore Girls. Like it is so. I feel like the show just drips money because of the outfits, yep. <laughs> because of the stylization, the filming, the actors, just everything about it is just so beautiful. And but that so, money. but that does rub across the wrong way a bit sometimes as well. In terms of like, like I said in the intro, like. Um, 
how privileged she is and like them gallivanting around Paris and the country club like I don't know like the show's a few years in now and I think it came out first in what 2017 or 18 and it won all the Emmys for its first season yes season two and three have good ratings but they're not as critically acclaimed and I just Mm. feel like it's not really the vibe of like right now the moment in time right now but it's not trying to be um no it's not but and I it's don't know something about the story. tone of it is a bit off for me like I, it's not one of my favorite shows I just think that the show although it's about a very privileged set of people in a privileged set of circumstances it's still back in the time when women couldn't do things and mm. this is a very very much a story about a strong female for that time standing up against a lot of men and she does a pretty damn good Mm -hmm. job of it while also still being true to the times because like you know Mm. there are things where she does fall in line with some of that misogyny or some of that ingrained behavior and that is true to the time so I I find it believable in that regard some way but also that she's stunning and that's why people like her and she's done really well and but I also think that there are things that are touched on in season three too and in season two um you know where the money gets lost and that that does start to happen and sure a rich person losing some money is not a new tale but it's you know not again not everything is telling that story and I think that just for them to acknowledge the privilege again she's now become a single woman back in the 50s Mm. where Mm -hmm. she couldn't work and have a proper job then she gets a job and now she's trying to be a comedian and everyone hates her for it like her family eviscerate Mm. her for it they're so ashamed of her you know and I think that it is kind of a story for now I think that the money sure it's about privilege but it's also about a strong woman who's standing up for what she really loves to do, her passion, and to get women into comedy. And there have been a That's lot true. of great writers on this show, a lot of great comedians who have done a lot of put a lot of thought and love into the script. And it does come through. And I think I think it's just a beautiful tale. And in addition to that, Susie being extremely poor, showing that side mm, of town, also acknowledging her like, horrible bed. It's like a horrible tiny apartment, which it is a caricature. I mean, the show is a caricature, so you have to take some things with a grain of salt. But it does show low, low, a lot of like (laughs) lower class to upper class and the in-between where Midge finds herself going back and forth a lot, then having to become a single mom, then her parents losing all their money, then you know, yeah. it's like these rich people losing all of their ways. And it's a caricature because it's making fun of that. It's making fun of how ridiculous rich people's lives are back in this time and how they feel so hard done by when little things happen to them. And I, I think it's brilliant, to be honest. And I think that they hmm. do even address later in season three. I don't know if you've got there yet. No, to be honest, no. Susie's. You've told me I have to start watching all of maths to get up to date by the finale. So <laughs> I do. I couldn't keep going for season I did, three. Yeah. But they do address, so they do address um, a gambling addiction that Susie has. Um, Oh, Yeah, they address um, her going, Midge going on tour with Shy Baldwin, who was a, I I don't know if he was actually a real singer back in the day or if he's, he's definitely emulating a real singer around at the time, Um, who, at least in the story, turned out to be gay and he was black. So kind of just discussing really hard themes of that time as well and how shame was really easy to come by. You know, Midge constantly is getting thrown down for being a comic. You know, she was thrown down for having a personality by her husband, even though he liked her personality. But then, you know, when she was funnier than him, he threw her away and got a new wife. Mm-hmm. You know, which it's he like, regrets because she's which so much he totally regrets because he's an idiot. Yeah, but I think it's just it is beautiful, and this show, like my biggest takeaway, to be honest, apart from the fashion, 
was mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Like this has sparked my personal playlist, which I call the gardening playlist. It's just Aww. full of adorable songs. There are so many like Yiddish songs in there too that are just really random and super cute. I just love it. It's full of love. It's such a joy to watch. There is so much hard stuff going on in the world and it is such a beautiful escape. I just love it. Okay, you've turned me around a little bit. Um, (laughs) I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It's definitely worth a watch. You should watch it. See who you agree with. Let us know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, look, you won't regret watching it, especially the first season. Um, And then by then you can figure out if it's for you or not. And most of the the critics love. And most of the recommendations that I insist that Grace watch, um, she usually agrees with them. So by the end, by the end. (laughs) To be fair, I have not watched season three. So yes, continue because season two is a little bit boring. I have to say, season three is better than season two. Yeah, season two slow. So season once two slow. we're done with the maths extravaganza, which we're planning for our finale, <laughs> um, and we're on season break, I will get back into Maisel. But first, let's find out what hill we're dying on this week. The hill that I'm willing to die on this week is that it is very rude to wear your hair in a high bun on the top of your head when you go to the theatre. Oh, my God, so true. So true. so rude. And you can't have just, like, glasses on top of your head either. Like, take them off. Take them off. Tall people who are just tall can't help it. But if you put your hair in a bun above your head, you are making a selfish choice that negatively impacts on others. Yeah. And it's not okay. It's 100% true. And yeah. Not only but that. But it's surprisingly common. But what about Bands like. in fashion, half up, half down. No, keep the whole thing down. The, the whole theater. thing down. It's, it's very rude. And you need to be aware of what theater you're in. Like if you're in a theater where you're easily blocking a view, redo your hairstyle in the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, make yep. a quick adjustment because the person behind you is going to be pissed off. You know? Yep. And would you rather them watch the show or watch you intently plotting Glary. their revenge yeah I think also not only buns but like a 60s beehive oh yeah oh. look any just voluminous upwards hairstyle and while we're at it just... if you're a tall person just don't sit in front of a short person rearrange yourself but if you're going with a group rearrange to yourself be fair, that's the person behind's job to rearrange their themselves yeah but what happens because... if they're there on their own or just with like one other person or like they're on the end or you know what i mean like Look, you don't always have the option you can ask them to swap i've certainly swapped before when i noticed there was um, a kid behind my partner who's told me i was like let's swap I'll go in front of the kid and they'll still probably, probably not be because you're a woman and you child. take on the mental load. It's usually tall males who like sit in front of short people and I'm not super short, but I do find it. I still get pissed off for even my other friends who just so happen to be very short. I don't know why I have so many short friends, but every time we go to the theater, they're always like, like straining their necks trying to see over people. So yeah, no, I'm speaking of like, privilege when I go to the theater yeah when, I, I never when we go to the theater we have the so many issues yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very privileged but so exciting that um just to acknowledge on a serious note for a second so exciting we're able to go to the theater again and oh. um, Australia is in a really amazing place right now globally yeah very lucky and um my hill is also theatre-related, Grace. Ooh. I think you might know what my hill is. I can guess it. So, for our listeners, Grace and I and her family went to go see Come From Away, the musical Mm -hmm. in Melbourne, just before it finished. It was absolutely wonderful. 
And so I think that's why theatre is like on the top of our minds right now. Um, It was wonderful. Uh, It's a beautiful story. And we will like gush about this in depth next week Mm -hmm. because we need to discuss the true story behind the musical. And in addition to that, just how joyous the musical was and for all the reasons that I would like to gush about right now, but I won't Mm -hmm. because we have a limited time. So my hill is... It was a wonderful musical. I have to just explain that there is some Irish element to it because the town in which it is set is full of a lot of Irish people, even though it's in Canada. Mm -hmm. Okay? So although we'll go into the plot next week, this is relevant because so much of the music was so Celtic-inspired and it Mm -hmm. was so beautiful. There was so much Irish influence and it was so joyous and wonderful to watch and this reminded me of another musical called Once mm-hmm. which I absolutely adore as well beautiful had had seen it when it was in Melbourne four times and then another time when Grace and I were overseas back in the day <laughs> when I first fell in love with it and there is a similarity between the two because they're both Irish set musicals which I just love in general because I think Irish music is the best and also one of your previous hills yeah Irish music is just the best it's so beautiful it brings so much joy to my heart it almost makes me want to tear up like just Mm. how much I love it like I genuinely and it was St. Patrick's Day recently and I took over the Bluetooth speaker at work and everyone hated me for it and I didn't even care just because I was like (laughs) this is beautiful and you'll all enjoy this and (laughs) it just makes everything better and Also, the small, intimate style of musical Mm. that both of these musicals have is so brilliant because I know you're a musical person, Grace, but I'm actually not. I actually don't. Exactly. That's why I was so happy when you said you loved Come From Away because I love it so much. I've seen it three times. I thought you would like it, but you don't love musicals, so, you know. Stereotypical musicals, wicked you know, just I could die on this hill any day. I just, I hate that musical. And I just hate so many um, other musicals. Like, I mean, I've seen good renditions of Wicked and I think the costuming's beautiful. I think there's one song in it that's catchy. But most musicals I find just go on and they sort of just stop and sing. And I think my hill mm-hmm. is that musicals should take a leaf out of come from away and once and they should all be like this because I find that again even and I found it very funny whereas so Mm. many musicals are so crass and I just was so badly worded like I just oh I can't deal with the really corny scripts in a lot of them and I just find myself going oh like rolling my eyes instead of Mm. thoroughly enjoying them so look I've gone on about this for long enough but they all need to be like that that is a good musical. <laughs> Look, I am so glad you love it. We're going to obviously talk about it more next week. I won't say I completely agree with you that all musicals should be like this because I love all musicals, you know, Hamilton, etc. Very different style. I think we can't have every musical be like an Irish folk musical because then those will lose their magic. And I think the fact it's so different to normal musicals is what makes it special. Well, more need to be like that. This is like so rare to find these beautiful gems like Mm. make more come on people that's fair fair, (laughs) all right well now let's find out what we're recommending this week my first recommendation this week is the friday 40 lottery to win cheap tickets to Harry Potter, which <laughs> I got. And so that is actually why theatre was on my mind. I'm very ah. lucky I've seen multiple shows. You've so I went to so Harry Potter musicals. and I sat behind a woman with a high bun and it was the worst. Oh, how rude. It was, that's and why even switching with Andy had, didn't work? Uh, yeah, no, switching with Andy was even worse because he had a really tall person in front of him. Oh, no. But when the person stood up, they were like a head shorter than me and Andy. So it was a really long torso person. Oh, no. They had like no legs, but that they were so... That person has like the worst of all worlds. <laughs> yeah, they're horrible to sit behind in the theatre, but they're not tall. So 
no, I was stuck behind Bun Girl. And oh, I simmered no. staring at the back of her head for the three hours the show goes for per night thinking of that hill. Um, but <laughs> that aside, Friday 40, you have to enter it um, because instead of paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you can pay $40 per show instead. And they're actually giving away quite a few cheap tickets because they want the theatres to be full. They want that good atmosphere. And a lot of people haven't planned ahead to book a show for right now because there was so much uncertainty. So you do have a good chance of getting a last minute show and like is is very spectacular. Come From Away is better, but Come From Away has sadly left Melbourne. So Harry Potter is your next best option. It just feels really long, Grace. Two days. It's six hours. Yeah. Six hours over it's two days. Ugh, over either two nights or a whole day. You either start at lunchtime and go all the way to night or you do it in two evenings. Mm. Mm. Or I think there's also two matinees, so there's a few options. Okay. All right. Something for every routine yeah. can be accommodated. Oh, yeah. uh, give it some good thought. If it's cheap, maybe I'll do it. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying <laughs> like the like, Friday 40. on the DL, go for the Friday 40. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, my first recommendation is to do with Mrs. Maisel. So you might have heard me recommend the Gilmore Guys earlier in, I think, season one. I recommended this podcast. Um, So the Gilmore Guys basically recap all of the Gilmore Girls. Um, Then they recapped all of Bunheads, which was another series by Amy Sherman Palladino that was like the very scrimpy, low-budget shocking version of Gilmore Girls um and now they're recapping the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and they've I think got to season three now um so they don't necessarily do it in line with the show release but they do do it in order and they now call themselves the Maisel Goys (laughs) because of the Julius influence and they're just Oh, the hosts are just beautiful and the hosts do change throughout the seasons, but so wholesome and so beautiful. And they just deconstruct each episode in such a loving, beautiful way. They're almost as adorable as the show itself. So it's a really gorgeous way. Like if you like the office ladies, it's a really good kind of secondary podcast to listen to. If you've watched an episode of Maisel and you were like, oh, that was gorgeous, just to really get the nitty gritty on what each episode Mm. was about and where things came from and the Gilmore guys actually were so popular that they had a cameo on on a day in the life of Gilmore girls yeah so they're like they've got a lot of traction how do they get all the behind the scenes information they just I guess know people I don't know how people get some of this high level goss but they do it otherwise they just google it you know, and they get—they just get really far. They know where to look and they follow people. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's mostly just adorable. It's not groundbreaking. It's just cute. So it's mm. a very nice podcast to listen to. Um, quite a distinct difference from the podcast I last recommended about serial killers. So yeah, light and dark. True, true. <laughs> Classic light and dark. <laughs> and then back from light to dark, I'm going to take us dark again for my final recommendation this Ooh. week, which is the three-part documentary series on ABC called Exposed about the Sydney Luna Park ghost train fire. Oh, my God. I heard it just the gist on this. Rosie yeah, Waterlands so- and Jacob Stanley's podcast. I also listened to the Just the Gist on it about six months ago. The Just the Gist episode um, is quite different to the documentary. So I think the ABC documentary have done like a full investigation and got a lot more evidence because a lot of the things that they said in Just the Gist is not what they're portraying in the documentary. I didn't even realize that the documentary was out because I remember them saying that the documentary was coming out. But I think they did the podcast before they had any of they the documentary information. Yeah, no, the, the, so yeah, it was like, how annoying for them. The show. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a coincidence. Their podcast was super entertaining, but the show is much more depressing. And oh. the third part of it is going to air the night this episode is released. Um, but currently I've watched the first two and it's pretty traumatic, but also super interesting because there's a kind of a true crime element and Ooh. it's a really huge 
and they've just got yeah so many people sort of coming forward to tell their story about what really happened and yeah it's pretty groundbreaking it's actually changing stuff wow that's pretty big Mm -hmm. very cool all right i'll have to check that out my mm. final one to take us back to light again um, is the net new Netflix series called Ginny and Georgia, which has uh, been labeled as like the kind of like modern Gilmore Girls, but like a bit shittier or something. I honestly, I've only seen two episodes so far and I don't think it could be any different from the Gilmore Girls if they tried. And oh, really? It's totally not Is what I expected. Is it just called that because it's a mother and daughter? Yes. And yeah. there's also a son. Like, she's just a single mum. Like, I'm sorry. It's not the same. They make a reference mm. to Gilmore Girls. They're like, we're like the Gilmore Girls, but with bigger boobs. You know, like, they just make a joke oh. about it. But it, that's just a throwaway line in the show. Anyway, it's about a woman. She is pers- <laughs> kind of a proud gold digger I guess uh she's kind of Texan or southern or something she's got a very thick thick American accent she's got two kids uh one's a little cute little nerd guy and the other one's kind of 15 coming into herself like pretty sassy little thing um but she's she's sassy but and but she's really smart but she's got some real strong feminist vibes grace She's really awesome, which I was so not expecting. And her mom is also really strong and feminist and awesome, but like in these roundabout random ways. And I just found it to be very bizarre, but very... That's cool to hear, but the only thing I've heard about it is that they slut-shamed Taylor Swift um, and Taylor Swift famously called them out on it. Oh, well, I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that's that. like was huge and it came out the weekend that it, the show debuted um but maybe it's <sighs> well that's really over. disappointing so basically that's really a disappointing line in the show where the sassy teenage girl it must be says to her mum, you go through men faster than taylor swift and taylor like tweeted back being like uh 2009 called and once it's like boring joke back and also yes Netflix, you I produced a whole documentary about how I faced sexism and now you're like putting this in your show was it you who told me this I don't even remember I feel like it was you who told me this but either way it's pretty big it yeah. was like yeah they yeah it was awesome like what she said about it and the clapped back um what I have to say to that is you know it's not a perfect show um I definitely think yeah. that it's, you know, it's definitely not perfect at all. I also haven't got to the end of it. So I am basing this on two episodes that I've seen. So, you know, I could mm-hmm. um, die on a hill later on and be like, oh, yeah. actually, I take back my recommendation. It's the worst. Um, I need to issue a retraction. I need to issue a retraction. <laughs> um, but I yeah. did find it very entertaining. It's different to what I expected. And um, it's got some sass. It's got some strong female vibes. Um like after the, at the end of the first episode, there's, you know, they kind of go through them moving to a new town and um, she's kind of a gold digger and her husband's died. So they move to a new town. Um, there's little flashbacks and stuff, but it's, I sort of went at the end of the episode, I went, oh, like I just went, oh, like, you know, French. I was just like, no, like as in damn, like I was just kind of like sick. That was like. I didn't say that coming kind of thing. I don't know. Like I just, yeah, it's just like there are some good components to it and it's, I feel like it's going to go in a way that I don't expect. So I'm kind of interested in it and I think that, you know, a lot of people are going to be interested in it and it might spark some conversation. So I think it might even be a little trash topic that we could discuss at a later time. I think so. I've been meaning to get around to it. Like I'm not going to watch it just because of that one Taylor Swift joke. And then Um, we can give people some time to watch it because it won't be till next season if we do discuss it. So, you know, watch it now and let us know what you think. Like get around it. And speaking of the last few episodes of season three. Yes. Because we're coming closer by the day. So next week is our second last episode of the season. And as you already ranted about for ages in the film, <laughs> we're going to talk about Come From Away because there's so much more we still haven't talked about 
including just, yeah, the true story and amazing events that inspired the musical. And, oh, it's so beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful and it so needs to be talked about. And then for something a little bit different and also I feel like a little bit of a throwback to our Doomsday episode just in that we're talking about a show that a lot of people may not have watched but I have recommended previously. It's called I Shouldn't Be Alive. And it's a little Mm. bit of a – it can be a little bit of a trash fire but it's also reenactments of real stories of survival and it's really interesting. And I'm just going to be – talking about a few fantastic examples and Grace hasn't watched this show. So I kind of want you and also our listeners to like follow along and see what you think is going to happen next and how these people get out of these situations will blow your goddamn mind. So I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, no, people said they loved hearing you talk about Jeff Flanahan from Doomsday and recapping that in detail. So we're very excited for you to recap to me and the listeners. Just some random, random show that, that they haven't seen. This random yeah. show. Yeah. We don't need to see it. We have you. Nobody has any homework. Just sit back and listen to us next exactly. week. Exactly. Oh, my God, what a relief. Because what a relief. I still do honestly need to keep going with maths. Um, maths is taking up my so. life I like barely had anything to recommend yeah <laughs> that's why I've only got through two episodes of a show yeah. yeah and we will be also talking about maths this season so I that's will going to be next to the fact I'm watching maths I know that's off brand for me we will address it we will address it and it will be our finale so if you're like grace get up to speed get up to speed because we're going to be or dying. don't because we will be talking about it in extreme detail. So <laughs> that's also an option. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. So thank you so much for sticking around and listening to us and we will see you next week. See you next Tuesday, everybody. Just a reminder that we are savvy individuals and not experts. If you need some real advice, please contact someone who knows. Trash and Treasury is produced, authorised and sponsored by us because we did it ourselves.